2: okay welcome curious minds out there to a brand new episode of Flying chariots the rise i'm delighted to have brandon thomas by my side once again for this episode and at this point i would like to mention his very own podcast expanding reality once again you can find the link in the description (laughs) click on the link and show some love there guys so with that said here with us tonight is the one and only Barry Fitzgerald. Besides many other things, Barry is well a well-known paranormal investigator and a fantastic author. And tonight we will definitely talk about his latest book, The Deceptions of Gods and Man. Welcome.
3: Thank you very much, uh, Daniel and Brandon, for having me on. I appreciate it. You're welcome.
2: The first question, Barry. I know it's it's a standard one, but there are likely a few people out there who aren't familiar with you. And this might be might be interesting for them, of course. So can you tell us what sparked your interest in the paranormal and how did you went from being fascinated to actively investigating supernatural phenomena?
3: Well, I, I think there's a there's, there's a huge element of my Celtic heritage in there that, uh, you know, keeps us uh, connected to the land and the spirits of the land. And uh, we don't have to travel too far in Ireland before you're you're introduced to that. And as a child, I grew up in a house that was that was uh, that was haunted, and that's where I got one of my first experiences. But at, at the time, you know, I, I never really connected the dots. I was too young. Um, but uh, I, I I really blame. The, the path that I'm on I'll blame it on my father because he uh, he set us down in front of the the TV to watch Doctor who episodes of Doctor who and and, and Star Trek and of course that inspired me enthused me further to ask why and how so why I, I i think I'll he'll have to take the blame for some of it uh, but uh, and then leading on from that uh, of course my, my curiosity grew and and I've been involved in uh, the the paranormal research now for for over thirty five years uh, and it has taken me all around the world um, and the experiences I've had you know I write about some of them in in, in the books and uh, but a huge majority of, of of what I encounter is is pretty much on on a personal level so you know, people say to me well why are you doing this well well I'm doing it for me it's it's, it's not for anyone else it's my path um so that that's you know they said to me well how do you how do you um address a skeptic well i don't um because that's obviously not their path it's i'm on my path and if people want to know about it i'm i'm happy to talk about it if they don't want to listen well then that's okay um and uh, and we roll on
0: yeah man i'm popping into cheers cheers yeah uh i could not agree with you more dude i have abandoned i'm on the other side of this dark nonsense right now but the the one thing i'm grateful for is the empowerment of the abandonment of sort of this out of my way people pleasing sort of a thing and survival sort of a deal, and so now it's just clear path to where I'm going. If you're in my path, dude, you are you get the most abundant amazing help ever. but if you're not there's there's sort of a stray away that I'm not offering my energy and attention to, so I could mm-hmm. I'm smelling what you're stepping in as we say in Texas. <laughs> That's awesome,
2: yeah, Barry, let's jump right in into your uh, book, Deceptions of God and Man. Please sure. give us a brief overview what this book is about and what was the would we'll give it a drive to write such a book.
3: Um, I, I think for, for the last, definitely for the last ten years, I've been watching this this um, love and light um, thing expand and, and and grow, and and I could see that there was an element of this that needed addressed. There there was, you know, every sword has a double edge. And, uh, and i wanted to to look at this other aspect um that that uh, was clearly there but wasn't being addressed i felt and and the book itself looks at at a lot of the phenomena that we're that we're interacting with and uh, and how it is is manifesting itself and and from our perspective we we wanted to examine a lot of the deception there was a high level of deception was coming through from beyond the void um, and, uh, and how we were dealing with that. And, you know, it's it's a strange thing, um, Daniel, that humanity seems to suffer from amnesia. Um, and we have this very, very strange thing, especially when we've got we've got inexperienced folks who, who are coming into paranormal research and and they're inexperienced yet they're developing communications whether it be through um, um various different um pieces of technology that will flash lights or or sound a siren or, or something like that or or even the the, the good old ouija board um you know they're, they're communicating with something which is coming through and it will give them say two truths and four lies and we have this ability in which we ignore the four lies and concentrate on the two truths. And that in itself is a grave mistake on our part. Because if it's lied to you once, whatever this is, is going to lie to you again and again and again, until it gets what it wants. And uh, so, what we wanted to do with the book was to readdress this, to shift our perception back, take a step back, and start asking questions like, "Okay, what actually are you? Where do you come from? How do you prove that?" You know, we needed to put some some questions back in its court, and, and I, I felt that if we've got something that that's coming through from this alleged space beyond the void, um, we wanted to, if it was coming through and and, and was promoting itself as being there for our positivity, for for our help, well then it's not gonna mind a few questions for clarity. And and I often found time and time and time again, the moment that I start pressing it for clarity, it's gone, it will not answer the questions. That to me speaks volumes. And that added to, to, to the title, The Deceptions of Gods and Men, because not only do we have the gods coming through and lying to us, but we also had this element of deception from the human side, in which things, uh, encounters were being manipulated to suit a narrative. and And the true essence of that encounter was being left behind and what we were doing was was ending up moving into a situation in which we were bringing people to worship this, and and that in itself, I, again, you know, I had grave concerns, especially when we go back and we start looking at the likes of of the the shining ones, my nemesis, um, these beings that appeared um, usually around rock formations, either on them, in them, um, or above them, and uh, and these these beings. Uh, portrayed themselves as being these, um, almost religious characters. Um, but the true essence of, of unworthiness of the encounter, we could tell within the first 20 seconds. The first 20 seconds of the encounter was vital. Because within, it, within that encounter, you have got our own instinct, the seat of our discernment is already reacting with the body and manifesting in the body within the first 20 seconds to tell us to get the hell out of there, because this thing is not as it portrays itself to be. Um, but after, after it goes past the 20 seconds, it has this innate ability to lock into our consciousness, and that becomes the trap. So by that's by that stage we're already hooked. So by listening to the first 20 seconds, um told us everything that we wanted to know. If your body didn't react, you're okay. If your body did react, that tells you everything you need to know about what is coming through. Um, and to be prepared. So, and we have we have countless examples of that. Medjugorje is another perfect example. Um, And uh, the the fact that the three children were stunned uh, to fear, by fear, within the first 20 seconds, spoke volumes about what was actually coming through. When you've got something that's coming through and your body reacts, and it's trying to tell you, do not be afraid. No, you damn well should be afraid at that particular point. You need to understand the threat that's coming through with this. Um, so that's that's primarily what the book was designed to do. It was designed to make a, take a step back and think and go, okay, okay, let's look at this from a different perspective. Let's address the encounters from now on, possibly with a different perspective. Not to say don't do it. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying, if you want to get involved with it, be aware of the greater picture, and um, so that's primarily what it was about and of course that's leading on to the next book which which i'm in the middle of at the moment staring into darkness
2: brendan you you wanna you wanna go first yeah
0: yeah barry man uh it's so very in line with what you're talking about here what you think of that uh term louche to see uh what you think the mechanism of operation here is meaning Dr. Monroe's term, are you, are you familiar with that term, luche? And- I'm,
3: I'm, I'm aware of Dr. Monroe's work, but I'm not aware of that term.
0: He coined the term louche in one of his books, and what it basically refers to is an energetic resource, right? Like a um, perhaps adrenochrome in a physical sense could be one of these physical manifestations of the type of energy we're talking about. But what it occurs on a level of is sort of a Wi-Fi between us and something. Uh, now, some people have said that this is Archons, you know, the Cathars and the Gnostics talk about the Demiurge and how that we're actually in this carbon copy of a post-Hell world and how it's not that great and all that stuff. So, louche would be this mechanism of operation to extract our negative energy, specifically is what's most palatable, but they take anything, any mm-hmm. emotion, right? And this seems to be why everything around here inspires emotion and you get very emotionally invested. Well, that's an energy resource that something is benefiting from. Uh, and it seems also whenever people feel contacted by these things, it leads them down such elaborate, um, narratives that it really feels that it, it, you can watch it work in a way. And it's, it mm. seems to be revealing its tactics as it, as it functions in others around you, if you can focus on it. So yes. what do you think about that? Just sort of that we're a product uh, for something. Well,
3: certainly from my perspective, from my own work, I see that fear is a huge aspect of this. now. There is a lot of noise out there, um, and we need to be aware of that. Even within modern ufology, there is a massive amount of noise out there, and the true phenomenon is lost in the middle. And that's, that's exactly where it wants to be. Um, it wants to remain hidden as long as it can continue to operate, and we do. We have the same within the paranormal as well. Um, not everything that goes bang in the night is a ghost, and not everything that we tend to see flying through the eye through the air is a UFO. But there are agendas out there which are being met at the moment, which we won't get into here. Um, but uh, fear is a definite key factor within the true phenomena. In which when it it manifests, um, even within the sanctity of our own homes where we feel safe, where these things will penetrate through um, and do what they do, um, fear is is, is a great asset to them. And interestingly, though, when we look at the manifestations of, of, say, for instance, the, the the gray the gray aliens um and uh, and and the djinn and the fairy and and uh, and even the the incubi and uh, and all this all these particular masks that are applied over the generations and um, there is one key factor one main key factor which binds these things together which which again starts to point at the same origin is there is there absolute their fear of iron. And we see this time and time again, Um, nine times out of 10, when you've got the night attacks that occur, they will attack women during their monthly cycle when they become anemic. The same is also seen with, with the gray aliens. When they appear and there's iron in the vicinity, that's it, they're done. They're gone. They have a fear of this. Now, for for an alien that's coming from, allegedly, um, um, another another solar system, um, God knows, across the Gulf of space, why is it sharing this common factor with a djinn, with a fairy, with an incubi, with the old gods? Um, So there is a common aspect there and, and, and a relation in which we ourselves can can defend ourselves with Um, and keeping an eye on our systems our bodily systems and what we eat also affects how this this true phenomenon can interact with us um and you know even from from aspects of of the islamic faith i i I had this uh, great pleasure to speak to um, a young lad in in the uk and he spoke about the need, their need to keep um, someone with their wives during pregnancy all the time, and um, because these things will attack during pregnancy. And I was saying, but that's that's in relation to the iron. So when we sat down and we talked about it, he was saying as well, we were there was a meeting of minds across these cultures where we're saying we're seeing the same thing, but they never they never thought about the iron connection. Um, and, uh, so, you know, it is, it is, a, it's a very interesting thing to take a step back and look at the phenomenon. And a lot of the times I had to, I had to experience the phenomenon to understand it, to break it down and also look for its weaknesses. And so I did experience a lot of things out in the field. Um, not so much now, um, I'm getting old now and, uh, and there's the youth that can go out into the field much better than I can. Um, but, uh yeah there is a lot of there in fact you know the iron is one thing but there are other similarities that connect this the masks together um and uh, and really start showing that look folks there there's a common source with all of this and we need to start tracking that back and we need to start interrogating it
0: this is what i've been asking the question of is it all the same damn thing posing as other things like Carlos Castaneda's Mud Shadows, right? This this idea mm. that it's just sort of a fog permeating this place that can appear as your dead grandma as as anything. as yeah, right? yeah, a yeah. jan as poltergeist. Yeah. As, yeah. yeah. yeah and absolutely. So you say Across cultures, just to clarify, I just want to make sure I heard you right, uh, is that across cultures, these different variety of entities all have an aversion to iron. That's one common thing that that's reported with gin and, and you said a few others?
3: mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so yeah, That's that, interesting. That, right across the board, there's this common factor in which they are petrified of iron. Now, there are – the there are aspects of that that we're that we're that we're examining, and and I'm working on it now with the next book, breaking that down to understand what is it about the iron, and also what is it about iron if you wear an iron amulet. That's what I was day, thinking.
0: Iron cross. Um, yeah.
3: What happens when you go underground because it doesn't work? That rule doesn't apply the moment you go underground into a cave system or a tunnel. And um, so why? So those are the things that we're now breaking down and, and and going into and look at looking at the different aspects that could activate the iron and what the iron is doing to the environment around it and why they in particular are afraid of it.
2: You use the term attack. It's it's attacking. What are we talking about when you when you when you say attack?
3: Um, well, if, if we look at the, the the night attacks in its truest form, I'm not talking about sleep paralysis. I'm talking about the night attack when it when, when it will make itself known. Um, the person that's, and the person that that's usually witnessing it can't move; they're held in place, um, and there's a, there's a weight um, pushed onto them. But the difference between the ones that that I tend to look at and and the sleep paralysis is that. Their partners can be lying asleep, or, or sorry, lying awake beside them, and they're witnessing this manifestation occur, and 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 the fear that is generating within their partner as this thing approaches and and, and begins its its, I suppose, um, sourcing its its fuel. It's it's the 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 fear that's being generated. The moment that these that the partners move or make any any suggestion that they're awake that's it it stops it's gone and um, so this this removes it from uh, the the hallucination which psychologists would suggest is, is going on here but there, there are fur- there's further research that needs to be done in this particular avenue um, and, and I feel that yes we're aware that there's that there's the weights that are that are talked about throughout the attacks this this oppressive weight that pushes people down into their beds i spoke to one farmer here in ireland and and he was he was being attacked and he said he has he has he has raised cattle all his life and he has never felt weight just quite like what this thing is he says it's heavier than any cow he's ever he's ever raised, um, but the thing is, from my perspective, if we, if we are able to get someone into a sleep clinic, um, and uh, and and the attacks are 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 pretty regular, let's put the bed onto a set of scales. Is the weight is that a physical weight? No one's doing these tests. No one's asking those questions is it a physical weight that we can actually register because if it's a physical weight that we can register that changes everything that 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 really turns turns the 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 bathwater um out onto the street um and uh and that changes as i say that changes everything from that point on
0: so- i just got to say this is fascinating Um, I looked it up real quick, 5% of Earth's crust is iron. So what about just sort of your your curiosity, uh, your insight on the inner earth dwelling aliens? Do you think that they have a tough time being here due to this sort of, uh, I mean, it's 5%, but it could be in pockets, right? Uh, Under the ground. This element's pretty prolific, prolific here. So, Do you think that that affects the inner earth dwellings and tunnel systems and stuff like that? Nope.
3: Because there are certain components which work with the iron on the surface. Um, I can't get into details at the moment, um, but there are there are two main components that work with the iron on the surface.
0: Just an interesting um, thing. Now I'm thinking of plasma weapons with iron in them, you know, and um, thinking of uh, <sighs> beings like octopuses that are mostly silica comp- comprised, but also have copper in their blood. So these different elements and minerals seem to play a large part of something here and i think it's interesting what you've touched on with the iron that's interesting mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: it is indeed but um barry excuse me for coming from different sites here i'm all over the place with my questions but um <laughs> everything is so interesting so in 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 what ways do you believe the various disguises these uh, multidimensional beings whatever they are adopt serve to distract us from their true identity or can you can you come up with some examples of these dis- disguises? Well, the disguises
3: are uh, um, my own personal experiences with the greys. Um, I've had an experience with those, um, and and the djinn, the fairy, um, and uh, the old gods, um, and the incubi. So I've I've experienced those particular components and and seen their weaknesses, um, and how they interacted. Um, Now, with every manifestation, there's a slight difference in it, never mind the appearance, but the slight difference in in the way that they interact with us. But their weaknesses remain the same, and and that was imperative to understand that, hold on a second, folks, we're looking at potentially the same thing. And when, when we look at the likes of the UFO. Um, phenomena, for instance, the, the likes of the animal mutilations that that are known to go on. This is not something that stopped 10 or 20 years ago. No, this is something that still continues. But we've had the mutilations now for quite some time being attributed to the UFOs. Mm-hmm. But if we, if we go back uh, to 1900, say, here in, in Ireland, we have a, a story of a farmer here in Leitrim who, who the, 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 the calf was born. He was very happy with it. And he put the, 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 the mother and the calf in the barn beside his, his cottage. He got up the next morning and both the calf and the mother were sliced and diced. Um, the, it was the, the, the typical um, uh, mutilation associated with the, the, the gray aliens, but he blamed the fairy. The fairy also did this. And we see when we go back into the French, uh, the Middle Ages, there are French um, um, wood carvings there that'll show these these imps, these these demons, spiking people in the abdomen. Um, Again, it's the same phenomenon. It's just a different mask. It's the way it's being interpreted. It's the way that they wish it to be interpreted. Because by doing that, then we never actually put it into historical context to see that these have been here, these are here and have been here way before we were. Um, But the problem is that they also need us at certain levels. So if we were to find out how they actually interacted with us and why they interacted they wanted to interact, that would cause absolute mayhem, I suspect, um, because then we would find out that the body is not our own divinity; it's not as precious as uh, as we were thought to believe, um, and this idea of of soul, spirit, um, um, and 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 body creating this trinity. Um, Things are not as what we were led to believe and it turns our world upside down. But again, I can't get into that. I'm sorry I can't get into that because that's the next book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the
2: why, why is a big question. Why? The description of your book speaks of the puppet masters promising yes. power and the wealth while sacrificing the innocent. Can you tell us more about the motivation of uh, or, or the identity of these puppet masters? <sighs>
3: Public masters themselves, um, that that is the phenomena. That is what's coming through the, the, the void. There is a, there is an element of, um, of the uh, the natural order of things that that has been upset and has been upset for quite some time. In fact, when this upset occurred, it created a great divergence within within the humanities timeline. And that's when we began to know what we would call the demonic. Um, And I'm not talking about this aspect of biblical context and all the rest. It's nothing to do with that. Um, It's just an element within our timeline. And that's where we began to know what we would associate with the demonic, the worst of humanity, the worst aspects of humanity, which in itself is not ours. That belongs to them. And... It's it's this, and, and understanding as well that there's a certain element within the body. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I have to be careful about what I'm saying here because of the next book, but there's a certain element within the body that, um, how do I put this into? There's a certain element within the body where all our psychic abilities originate. And I mean all of them. The remote viewing, um, ESP, all of that—it's all produced by this particular component, which doesn't belong to us. Can you get
2: more into when you? I'm, th- af-
3: I'm afraid I can't go any further than that because of the next book. Okay. Um, but this particular book, the, the 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 Deceptions of Gods and Men, yes, it does look at the puppet masters. It looks at who is pulling the strings and from where. Um, and and when we see the likes of um, magnetic anomalies are key factors around the planet, we'll see the the the, 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 the uh, positive magnetic anomalies along with the, the the negative magnetic anomalies. Now you tend to see more larger magnetic anomalies in the southern hemisphere than you do in the north, but within these particular components, within these these areas, in the stronger areas you tend to find these are the places where you tend to find the doorways, these portals, which are being utilized back and forth. If we look at the likes of Skinwalker Ranch, for instance, in, in Utah, which in itself we were told, oh, it was this mad place of, of all this UFO and, and dog men and everything else that was going on. Absolute nonsense, by the way. Utter, utter nonsense. But I have to say that the magnetic anomaly that is associated with that particular area is around eighty miles. so it stretches much more than the ranch there is a there is strange high strangeness within the area, but it is not focused on the ranch. The ranch is something different which is man-made and um, I'm not going I'll I'll, I'll I'll leave it there in regards to the ranch, but it is it's yeah, um, that would annoy me greatly about what the ranch actually turned out to be, um, but you have other areas as well um, in which the likes of of people will will be they'll be out walking and hiking, um, especially within the national parks in the U.S. You'll get these places where people are hiking Yosemite, um, the Three Sisters up in in um, in um, I think it's in Oregon spread across where people are hiking and suddenly you're talking to your friend beside you and you look back, you look where you're walking and you turn back to your friend and they're gone. Like that, they're absolutely gone. Now, David Politis is an ex-police officer uh, within the States and he has done extensive work in this. His work correlates with our work and that the people, that the clusters of people that he has missing within the national parks also tie in with positive magnetic anomalies. We also tend to see that that these areas have high outputs of UFO, of cryptids, um, of poltergeist activity, paranormal, hauntings. All of this stuff tends to go on within these particular key areas. These are doorways, portals, if you like. But there's something else on the other side which we need to look at. And again, we're looking, we're starting to stray back into this aspect of the puppet masters. Uh, Because within the negative magnetic anomalies, I started seeing that that 70% of the world's top, sorry, 75% of the world's top suicide locations appear in negative magnetic anomalies. I also found that our ancestors were sacrificing people and animals within the negative magnetic anomalies, predominantly. Um, and uh, and what we also saw whenever we started putting in the the data is that and, and bear in mind this is the place where I suppose blood worship was really was really being utilized in these negative areas. we find that 70 percent of the world's weapons manufacturing and development also appears in negative magnetic anomalies. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this out here and just leave it there um, in that we have gone from one or two sheep or goats, as our ancestors were doing, to now we're producing weapons that are killing millions of people. The blood um, loss there is, is huge, or blood worship, take it whatever way you want, um, but something's being paid back. Now, we do see that that there are elements of the uh, industrial military complex that do reach into these areas of the paranormal um, and try to gain um, information from them. If we look at, uh, there's a particular airline company, the the Douglas, um, I think it's uh, Douglas uh, uh, Airlines uh, back in the 1960s. I have the, uh, the, the paperwork here somewhere Um, And they were trying to ascertain new engine designs, advanced engine designs, um, and uh, from their communications of these things from beyond the void. Now, they were on government money, and clearly I could see through the the reports where they were going wrong. Um, They were utilizing government money, and they were using Ouija boards to connect to something beyond that was promising to give them information as long as they tagged along. Um, And again, this is something that we see time and time again. They'll draw you in to the communication, and then they'll expect you to adhere to every letter of the law that they dictate. If you don't, you're kicked out. You're gone. Um, You're excommunicated, if you like. Um, and, uh, and clearly on, on the paperwork from, from the Douglas, um, aeronautic company, um, they were dealing with stuff that went above their heads. So I went through with it with a red marker and I'm going, uh, 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 I could see where the, where the issues were, um, that, that, that they were blind to. And, uh, but they're, they're not the only company we see that there are, and still um, aspects of the the um, military and uh, industrial complex that are still utilising that um, for their for their benefit. Now, in regards to again uh, communicating, there there were um, a series of exceptional um, uh, seances that were that were occurring in the UK back in the nineteen nineties. I think it was ninety five, and it run for five years. Now, this was over in, uh, on the east of, of England. And scientists were queuing up to get into this because the phenomena was manifesting in solid form. Um, and when you've, got, when you've got people who are sitting in absolute darkness um, and, uh, and they feel this hand grasp their arm, and they'll reach over and grab the hand and follow up until they get to the elbow. After the elbow, there's nothing. But anything can be manifested when you're dealing with this phenomenon. Anything can be manifested. And this this was making itself clear within the seance rooms and between small UFOs that were appearing. And thank God I was not in that seance room because had a small UFO passed by me, that would have been it. I would have had a proof there in my hand. Um, But... Um, these things were were they were appearing they were manifesting and interestingly also gray aliens were appearing in the séance room why in something which was designed to talk to our ancestors the people are the people who passed before us what the hell is a gray alien doing manifesting in the séance room same phenomena different mask But the people predominantly had to work in darkness within the seance room. And this was aggravating because 20 years before in the Livermore Laboratories in the United States, scientists were working there in broad daylight, receiving the same style of of, uh, phenomena. Now, they thought they were going absolutely crazy Um, when when you've got, you know, you're you're back in your home and these things are manifesting around in your home and following you back. So, again you know we're led to believe that that well we we have to we have to work a seance in the darkness because the spirits like it the spirits don't give a damn clearly they can work in daylight and um, when we go back 20 years we can see that the these these phony laws that come in are to fool us um, it's not to benefit them
2: brendan i'm sure you're on fire already allow me one uh, thing I want to add add one thing to something you said. Uh, You you said uh, you talked about negative magnetic areas and Hmm. immediately I had to think about um, the suicide forest in Japan.
3: Yes, that's one of them.
2: Aokigahara. I think it's called uh, Aokigahara. And yeah, yeah, I had to think about it. We have tons of um, missing uh, person cases there and and suicides every year. And it's crazy. It could be one of these uh, magnetic, negative magnetic areas. Yeah, just wanted to in add Pacific
0: that. Northwest of the U.S. Uh, is one of these places. It's a high suicide rate. They say Seattle, but um, I don't mm. know if that's due to the magnetic anomaly or just the weather. You know, because it's bumming. Yeah, yeah, it's cloudy all the time.
3: Well, they've, they've known for a long time. Um, you know, there were even Russian reports there about uh, about the effects that the land has on our our minds and um, how it can affect us. So, and I think that report is around. I think that was in the nineteen early nineteen eighties. It was committed.
0: Are these magnetic anomalies tracked on ley lines or how do, how can you discover these places or map them out?
3: Satellite. Um, the the information is there it's free on uh, it's it's a it's a it's an overlay on Google Maps. Um, and uh, and that that works wonders. It'll for tell us. You,
0: it'll tell you what type you, of polarization the yeah,
3: ma- uh, magnetic and shows you how how big it is. Now, we have to give some 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 flexibility because the magnetic anomaly of course over the course of days and weeks will rise it'll, it'll increase and then narrow back down again and um, so you you'll get this constant movement with it but primarily what you're seeing is a fixed moments in time within within those particular images from satellite
0: it's like installment louche farms on the realm it, it ensures that there is an ebb and flow of chaos uh mm distributed throughout this place. And in certain areas where, I mean, if you're talking the Japanese forest, we all get heavy just hearing that. And then you think that maybe that maybe it wasn't like that. And these gravitational anom- or magnetic anomalies can be altered in some way. And maybe some ancients knew about this. With I think of the star forts. I think of these ancient cathedrals that no longer work, right? Mm. Uh, that they were huge. These They had these massive organs, these cymatic patterns inside the windows. And this idea that all these bells were around and maybe it was to keep the... I don't know, the cracking of these magnetic anomalies away. And maybe it was just a way to harmonize with frequency and vibration in a way that now they've been either deliberately destroyed or just don't work anymore, something like that, or apprehended on purpose so that they don't work. Well, the, gate, the
3: gatekeepers, starting from an Irish perspective, the gatekeepers were giant serpents. They were always seen as, as, as these these beings that handed over the information and knowledge and to the people that entered the chambers to commune. With these beings. And it wasn't that you entered it at us at, at at whenever you wanted. Um, no, there were certain time periods that these temples were 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 orchestrated to use and and I haven't been in in many of them we we have temples here that predate the great pyramids of Giza and we can enter them 24 7 365 days a year these massive stone mounds now it's it's interesting from from uh, from a folkloric perspective because we've got elements such as such as the banshee this this female entity that's said to announce death um, and, and the people that hear the scream understand that, that death is coming to the person that didn't hear it. Now, ban and she comes from the ancient Irish, which translates into woman of the she. But the she, people believe, were the fairy. Not quite. She are the mounds, the stone mounds. Ban, she is woman of the mounds. These beings are coming through the gateways from the old worlds. Um and and these people that had built these original stone mounds like the one behind me here uh they were coming from Syria and Iraq and we know this from the dna so they were, and, and and the mound builders were moving with the sun they were moving from east to west and by the time they finished here in europe of course they were already appearing in uh, in in the americas at that particular stage um but it's interesting from our perspective that when we look at it from, from a Nordic um, element, in that pre-Christian Nordic traditions were that were the, these places were associated with ancestral worship. That's where you brought the dead to. So, they believed that when uh, you died, um, you were brought to these places, and, uh, and you were left. Now, during the stage in which the soul decoupled and whether to two days or, or two weeks, it they believed that it it went through a state of metempsychosis it altered its appearance before entering the mind. it became a serpent and it entered the mounds. So we see this tradition moving its way down into 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 Ireland and, and the British Isles, the rest of the British Isles um, but from our perspective, uh, when Christianity came to the island, it really came with absolutely nothing because we already had our saints and gods and everything else already established. Um, and uh, But we had St. Patrick who came to the island and ridded of serpents. What bloody serpents? There never were serpents except the ones that were associated with the ancient doorways. Um, so yeah, it's... Um, it's an interesting history. Whenever we start going back and start stripping it back bit by bit, and looking at the way that uh, that we dealt with things back then, but around 2600 BC, something went something went wrong, and I I, I can never find out what exactly it was because we had uh, the, the 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 mounds that were that were orientated to the to the summer solstice, uh, which were masculine, but the feminine. Um, for the winter solstice, the majority of those were absolutely all destroyed. Um, they've all been wiped out, bar one or two, which can never find out why, what happened. Um, now, of course, you know, we see this, we've seen this drive when Christianity came. We we had this aspect of the feminine, the oracle, um, was, was alienated along with the serpent, the giver of the knowledge. Um, so was this the old religion that we've seen in the mounds? Um, finally, the the masculine authority came down and stamped on it and said no more. But uh, it's finding a revival again. It's uh, I'm seeing elements of it coming back again.
2: You mentioned banshee, so it's the, hmm. the messenger of death, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting and in
0: X Men, very cool. Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> interesting. Yeah, in in Germany, this it would be the the owl, or in the in the Latin American folklore, I think it's called La Lorana. And in Scotland, there's something similar to bean Nai, bean Nai. i don't know um also in Germany, we have the wild hunt. Have you heard about the wild hunt
3: I have yes uh-huh. yeah, uh. interesting
2: um it's it's an interesting legend. people that uh, observe the wild hunt they say um yeah they would probably if you if you observe the wild hunt, if you see these uh the wild hunt pass by, you might die or meet disaster um. Mm-hmm in the Slavic folklore there is the Rosalka. these are also you could say messengers of death so we have this we have that everywhere that's interesting that's very interesting um i want to add something because you talked about the Skinwalker Ranch and you've talked about it being some kind of nonsense and um but you said there's high strangeness in the area yes so any idea um about the origin of the high ranges in the area, because if it w- wouldn't be for the Skinwalker Ranch, there would be nothing out there, literally. So,
3: any oh, there's there's plenty, there's plenty out there, um, but I think there's there's a huge majority of that. Um, you you got to understand that that um, in the Uinta Basin, there there were vast gold reserves discovered, um, and and silver. And, and also radioactive material as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, so, looking at that, um, you know, there's there's quite a lot to be said for this, especially whenever we we look at the show now that's being filmed and um, the way it's being portrayed. Uh, we've got scientists there that that were head of 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 designing equipment to look for deep. Pockets of heavy metals, scanning for deep pockets of heavy metals. So now we've got these scientists on site that are that have are were, were behind this particular um, um, stuff, and you know from from a Celtic perspective again, you know getting back to that, uh, the giant serpents also were associated with with natural treasures, gold and silver and things like again. Now from our perspective, from a Celtic perspective. If we were to show them Puff the Magic Dragon nowadays, they would have no idea what the hell that was. But the giant serpent migrated and and transformed into what we associate a dragon as today. So who guards Skinwalker Ranch with rifles and guns? The dragon. That's the guy's name on the TV show. The The dragon guards the wealth. Um, now, there's all of this that, that that goes on there, but a huge, nearly all of it. There is no proof for any of the phenomena that was written about in the books. None, not one ounce was there of proof in both books. I got to say, none. There was a there was a guy, Stephen um, um, Greenstreet. Exceptional reporter for the New York Post went into this and delved into Skinwalker Ranch, and he let it bear. And the new owner, of course, um, didn't didn't take um, too lightly to this, and uh, and of course he he called everyone that wanted proof pigs live um, um, in the public domain. He called us all pigs. Nothing better than swine. Okay, just because we wanted proof. For the claims that were being made. So I'm interested in your opinion.
2: Do was these two worlds, our world, our so-called reality and the other realm? Were these two worlds meant to collide? I mean it's a question it's probably Impossible to answer, I know, but what's your opinion? Do you think these worlds were meant to collide or did something happen? somewhere that opened up something or are these worlds connected? Is it meant to be? What is your opinion?
3: Well, what if I put it to you this way? Um, what if the idea of other, the other realm was an illusion? What if there was an actual geological location that this originates from? Maybe under our feet. Maybe by a life force that's minuscule. Um, but a life force that was here long before we were. <laughs> I might have said too much. Say more. <laughs> Don't be shy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, a, that's a, a little inclusion into the next book there. So but you're
2: talking about everything. Does it mean it includes UFO sightings? All that stuff,
3: right? As I said, anything can be manifested. Anything can be manifested. And it's not us doing the manifesting. We shouldn't get lost in this idea of what we're seeing in the mainstream media now of UAPs. Um, Those are black budget projects. Um, Mainstream media, the legacy media is running with this. And they're selling us stuff, which let's face it, is nothing more than a bag of air. Grush in, in, in the, the Senate reports is giving us absolutely nothing. We know nothing more than we did 50 years ago. It's all hearsay. Now, for someone who experienced something 50 years ago, they were called absolute nuts because there was no proof. And yet we've got people now are coming forward, giving us information of which there is no proof.
0: Nothing. This is my question. How How are we still so how are a lot of us still very hell-bent on the fact that proof needs to be established before any sort of entertainment of the idea that something else is going on here that you're something else or this reality is something else when we live in a reality that can absolutely be manipulated all the way down to the atom around you all the time and who's to say that it's not and this isn't just a screen that you're being shown and can change in any way so again, this, this idea of the demand for proof, this consensus reality for that which can be shared with others, seems a little asinine at this point, doesn't it? In a world that mani- matter can be manipulated, unmanipulated, alien can be there, dies, phases off into something. You hear about this Bigfoot. Uh, oh, I saw a Bigfoot die right in front of me, and then it glittered off into smoke, and then it disappeared. So matter, you know, there is no evidence. This, the phenomena doesn't want to leave evidence, so why are we so insistent on it?
3: I think for us, um, we live in a materialistic world. I think there's a certain element in that in which we need something, something that we can grasp um, that will help us understand that. At present, there is absolutely nothing that's being delivered. So from that particular perspective, is if nothing is being delivered, where does the boundaries end? Th- those boundaries then become endless. Um, and uh, I, I think for a lot of people, the need the need certain elements in which they can relate to. Um, and until those are brought forward, I think that's going to that's going to be, that's gonna be an, an absolute problem there. Yes, there are aspects in which people who of similar minds who can accept, yes, there are things are changing at the atomic level and everything else around us all the time, that's okay. But for a huge amount of the population, who are coming home and, and switching on their TVs, um, that's their life. So they can't they they would find it very, very difficult to step outside that, to look at a greater perspective. I, I think that's where the, the, the problem would lie um from that. But the problem the, there's there's also this element in which the people who are telling us um there's there's a, an absolute high level of deceit that's coming from particular areas within our within our higher um, elite area that is selling us an agenda which is not it, it, it's wrong it's completely wrong. When we delve into it, we find hole after hole after hole after hole. Honest to God, if this was was a ship, it would have sank before it even left port. Um, there's that many holes in in the stories that they're giving us. Um, But I I, I think for us, when we're able to sit back and say, okay, we have something here, how do we understand that? At least from that particular perspective, we're able to move forward because there is something there. Up until now, we're getting nothing. The phenomena, the true phenomena, certainly does not want us to have anything um, because that leads back to the origin point and if we find out the origin point then there'd be trouble
0: what if the collective evidence is the fact that an experience was had that they can't tell anyone about and that we as a collective humanity probably all have experiences where we wished to articulate our perspective in a way and weren't heard that seems to be the common evidence that's left with this is simply the emotional connection that we all feel from not having Mm. been heard of something that we can't necessarily prove you think mm-hmm. of victims of horrible assault or something like this being the worst case scenarios of this but especially in in terms like this i think it still applies now i think that we as humanity can now that we've had this conversation and it's beautifully put the way you did transcend that idea and look at the commonality which is that we're all humans having some sort of experience here that a lot of people when they can't explain a little bit of the cave that you're not on the side of that they're experiencing and yelling at you from that cave hey here's what i found You're not over there you don't know what they found but what you can experience is from your own perspective yelling as well to people who can't see your side of the cave Mm -hmm. so there i think that that's the evidence that's left and if we can just focus on that this is we're all in this together kind of a thing and not let things like these nuances no mine was gray no my gray alien was brown yours is totally different so therefore you're full of shit kind of a thing Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. maybe there would be just sort of a community that can come together because i think shining light on whatever the hell this thing is is going to show that all of it's the same thing and that we can relate in this way
3: maybe absolutely you, you don't have an argument for me and that that's perfectly good perfect. yeah
0: Fair enough. I just like your perspective. This is fascinating. I can't wait for the next book, honestly, man. There's been a lot of shitload of teasers in this one, and I'm grateful for that. I think it's awesome. (laughs) I am curious if you don't mind uh, to ask what it feels like, because it sounds like you've had experiences with this phenomena that's shown up in in your experience, your personal life experience, wearing many masks. Yes. How was it that you transcended it? Was, if you don't have a bar of iron hanging out in your pocket, what is, what is your go-to method for just getting any nasty thing that's off of you away from you that you don't want to interact with?
3: Um, first of all, good science starts with an ob- observation. We have to observe it. And that's what I've spent years doing in the field, observing it, interacting with it, um, and I've, I've been in places, you know, funny enough, you, you talk about, about being in a cave. And 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 screaming for your friend, and, and your friend can't 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 hear you. I have been there. I have done that. In, in a cave of thirty feet, I lost my friend and his son for forty-five minutes. Um, I, I I thought to myself, I'm going to have to phone the 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 authorities here to uh, to let them know that there's dis- these people have disappeared. Um, but again, the, the, these things happen. But. The experiences that I've had have helped me develop, uh, observe, and um, interact. And with the interaction, also, I've been able to break down how they were they were um, coming in, how they were how they were doing what they were doing. And and the iron was 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 a huge part of that. Um, to understand what they were doing from from that particular sp- perspective and why why did they wait until the the, the 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 women of humanity enter their monthly cycle before they made their their leap onto it. Now there are occasions whenever you can draw things back back to your home. That's that's part and parcel of it. You know you you, you got you got to experience that as well. Um we've had we've had phenomena here um that has appeared in our home before that as well. Um, But for the most part, it doesn't doesn't stay around for too long. It comes in, who are you? It's as curious, a lot of the times, it's as curious as we are about it.
0: You know, so this is honestly my question here, Barry. Do you think that there's a way, once recognized, that we could work with this energy in a way that's mutually exclusive, that's not contract uh, uh, binding in a way that would exploit your sovereignty in any way? Almost this idea of being scared of a dragon or a large snake, as you say, that's apprehending the treasure, perhaps the treasure is your friendship together, you know, the friends you make along the way, right? And maybe this idea of throwing the reins around this dragon or this metaphor for the entity, the treasure, right, is the true gift in itself, and that is where your inner power comes from. Because it seems this idea of cat and mouse, this, there are things around you, you got to watch out, you got to watch your sovereignty, keep some iron around you. I think these are all interesting, but this idea then to me is, is, well, if there is a symbiotic relationship that can be occurred, Then also we have scalable models for this in our reality with the little birds that land on hippos and pick the ticks off of their back with the ones that the little fish that swim along with sharks for the same reason. It seems that there is a need for our interaction. So the discovery of the ways in which it's been apprehended to a malicious intent, perhaps against our awareness uh, can be brought to the life of day so that maybe we could say, hey, look, you can hang out. But we've got boundaries here that we need to establish. Do you think that that's something that's possible for us?
3: in regards to that specific phenomena that you're talking about um because there, there it's a duality and um, there is part of it that is already in us there is part of it which is exterior the exterior we can never work with what's already in us we can because it's all part of the same source
0: and you talk about small I'm thinking by uh, Bacteria I'm thinking something so small that this is the spaceship that it's driving around is us It's our it's our vehicle here. It's sort of this idea. That's shrooms magic mushrooms the spores themselves It's an entity here that apprehends your consciousness everybody takes mushrooms loves the environment which then therefore benefits the mushroom, right? So you have this entity that's apprehending your consciousness to benefit itself in the parasitic way This is my question as we change it from parasite to bacteria to functioning organisms working together under a common goal with no sort of sovereignty being negated in that. Now that's the question though, is the idea that we have sovereignty just sort of this, something that a bunch of bacteria would say, uh, you know, kind of a thing. And it's, it's sort of this carrot on a stick idea that really just enables us to feel that we're in more control or have more power than we actually do.
3: Well, I, I think there, there's, there's a great statistic that's out there. Um, and it's Something like the cells that make up our body that belong to us, around 57 percent the rest is bacteria and everything else that goes with that so that just messes up with our minds that we're not all complete um it's not all of us there are other things there mitochondria dna is another example of a symbiotic relationship which is lives in each of our cells
0: you know Um, Because when you talk about that the things out there you can't touch or do anything with it's this idea that they're being projected from you So if there is an entity in you that's of a certain type Let's say of a certain gray or it it filters your consciousness in that way because that's what you most relate to Maybe that's angels for some demons for others But it's it's almost like it's being projected through you and the sigil of Satan is the same exact way that your eye pattern works Did you guys know this have you seen that? so the sigil of satan or the lucifer is the exact way it's a cross-section of how your two eyes work and your vision crosses to then reflect back to you which mm-hmm. is this light bringer idea so again it feels like the something in you is projecting the ufo out there to give you that experience which again could be this idea of proof there's no proof because it comes from you it's it's a psycho-semantic thing even uh, jacques valet um heineck at the end of his life with Sufos was talking about this that it's a psychosemantic it's possibly a psychosemantic phenomenon where it's being generated by us, and then you have this co-collective creative consciousness sort of element, the CE5 groups and things that come together. all of their bacteria are of the same species of alien, and then they all come together and get to call in or project out uh, more reinforcing ideas that reinforce their own independent ideas. And so it's this interesting sort of collection of bacteria uh, that's driving us around <laughs> to project things out that we find interesting.
3: Oh, I can't wait till you read the next
0: book. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to read your next book, dude. It's just you 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 make you bring up great questions, which that's what this is about, right? I mean, the answer to life is the mastery of questions. A guy said that on the show, Andrew Benjamin, one time. I always cite him. And it's it's this idea. Even even the idea of like the matter is manipulative and that it can be projected in, in any way around you. This when you were talking about this, I'm just gonna say this and I'll I'll let you finish up here, man. But I'm just you fire me up, is what I'm saying, Barry. Thank you. Uh, And Thank you, Daniel, for the opportunity when you said places for the dead I'd never thought about it before but even the idea that an afterlife exists that you are being contacted from Is an apprehension across the board? The thought because if you think about it Some people are contacted by aliens and maybe they're not as convincing as the dude that was contacted by his grandma And the grandma is an ancestor that they all saw in real life that this tribe. Let's keep it very simple tribe of 20 Grandma dies they all grew up around this grandma she dies an alien force comes in and takes advantage of this Opportunity projects itself as grandma as an ancestor which maybe doesn't exist at all Maybe grandma's just damn gone or maybe it's just a character in a game and it dissolves and there is no such thing Then as we as the phenomena keeps projecting dead Ancestors around us. Oh, yeah, I saw Mary Antoinette. Oh, that's crazy like these sort of things presuppose automatically to the observer that the afterlife is a thing. So, again, this idea of places for the dead could be another sign altogether, that the, the, there is no sort of ancestors that are visiting you. And I really think of this in the work of Howdy Mikowski and, again, the uh, Gnostics and the Cathars idea that everything here is an apprehension, so even that specific idea that there's a way to do this, that there's instructions from the other side that you'll also be able to receive from someone that you're visually familiar with in your environment. That's interesting and it kind of terrifying all at the same time. So again, you bring up fascinating questions, Barry. Thank you.
3: Well, bear, bear in mind that uh, our history is in our aura and that can be read. Um, and uh, and my, my advice when dealing with great aunt Bertha that has died and passed over and she comes forward and she, just as everyone remembers her press her
0: be sure
3: for information and you'll soon find out that aunt bertha is not
0: aunt bertha that's what i'm saying so how can we trust that any ancestor or any apparition of any kind of ilk of anything is what it says it is first of all and that therefore any of those modus operandi's, meaning i.e an afterlife exists at all
3: Those are the questions that are going to start developing.
0: (laughs) Second book coming
3: soon. (laughs) Coming to a good bookstore near you. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Coming to this house right here near me very soon. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it.
2: Definitely. Barry, but we can't let you off the hook until um, until you have answered me a few more questions that came up a few minutes ago. And although we already changed the subject a few minutes ago, I want to come back to something. I'm very sorry. Um, when I stalked your profile for research, I found uh, a post that you that you made. Um, if you don't mind, I, I'll quote you. I'm. It it said, I'm pondering some thoughts and wondering if a USO doesn't show up on radar, is that an indication of stealth technology? And yet, they use various bright lights that are visible to all. Would that be fooling us into thinking there's something more substantial there when in reality, it's just an illusion or hallucination either on a mass or individual level? Mm. Can you please elaborate on that a little bit uh, more
3: well, you know when when we're told that there's a there's a UFO seen around the earth every eight seconds, um where where are all of these? you know? There, there are certain the certain amounts of UFOs that are appearing. Yes, they do live a radar trace, and there were others that we were told were radar traces, which in itself was just a problem with the radar. Um, but when we've got these things that are flying around, um, and there are there are no radar um, uh, things with them that gives you the impression that you know almost as if uh is this stealth to try and nip through and 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 do what it's doing but whenever it's doing this it's got these huge blasted big headlights on it that will flash and flash and flash say look at me look at me look at me um which in itself creates a conscious connection um in the observer and uh you know, that, that's really what it was about, to, to, to question, are we looking at, at two different things here, or are we looking at the same thing? It was to see people's opinions on it, but I don't believe there was much much response to that um, um, thought process that went out.
2: I don't remember the comments. I think one guy commented. Mm-hmm.
3: Sure.
0: I have a comment. Would you like it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, something interesting about this is as you're talking about it, it being visible, but not visible. It wanting, then therefore it wants us to think it's solid, even though it's possibly not. In this, I think of mimicry in nature. You have these butterflies that have, when they open their wings, mm-hmm. they have the the eyes of the owl that predates on the bird that predates on the moth, right? Yeah. So it looks like the thing that kills the thing that kills the moth. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a mimicry sort of a concept, and you'll see this in cuttlefish, you'll see this in all sorts of things, but... Also found in nature are angler fish. And those things are the bright light little deals that are in deep sea that oh, yeah. have this beautiful, mm-hmm. oh my God, this light in the darkness, thank God. And then you swim through it <laughs> and there's this horrible monster mouth on the other side of it, right? So it is sort yeah. of this bait and switch kind of thing yeah. possibly that's going on. And mm-hmm. maybe even at a long, slow game sort of a way, you hear these fascinating stories of contacts at last. And then it's intergenerational. You know, it almost seems like they tag you and your family to just constantly get uh, whatever they're getting out of you, yeah. but it's interesting mm-hmm. to apply the, the patterns of nature to what the phenomena is doing as well.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was in uh, Nevada and uh, sorry Arizona, I think it was. I was in the desert in Arizona, and uh, and these lights appeared on on the desert floor, and I was able to photograph them. But the first night that I went there. Um initially I thought this there's, there's, there's nothing happening here. And and I turned to leave and says, right, that's it, we're finished. Let, let's go. We're packing up. And as I turned out of the corner of my eye, these lights appeared. It was as if suddenly in that particular moment, okay, he's leaving. We've got a show. And and it happened. Now, the next night we used the the the, the satellite and we said, okay, this is where it was appearing this is where we need to be and i want to be there an hour before it appears again because i want to get set up i want to feel the environment i want to see what's going on the moment the car stopped and i got out and my feet hit the ground boom they were there that that actually unnerved me um that particular aspect because it was as if it was waiting but not only that it was the air that I was sensing that was putting me on high alert. And I said, I'm not going to stay here for long. <laughs> I got my photographs and I left. Uh, but a strange, it was a strange place, a strange encounter. But it was, uh, again, it was something that that I was able to, to pull some information from um, and, uh, and bring back.
2: Barry, what is the Island of the Dead?
3: Oh God, that place! Um, that uh, <laughs> that is up in uh, County Donegal, and uh, it's on a the, the small lake. And it was a place of oracle. And it was a place that was used throughout the, the the medieval period. People were coming from all over Europe to go to this location, in which you you entered the void through the doorway of the serpent. It was a it was an old ancient mound that was still being utilized there. very, very, I have to say, an exceptionally powerful, naturally powerful place. Um, And uh, you went in there. And when the church came, it it became, the name changed and became known as St. Patrick's Purgatory, this place of darkness, utter darkness, where you worked off your your penance. Um, It was horrific. It was a point in which you could be... um, you could be frightened to the point of death. That's how extreme it was. Now, you know, we heard all these stories whenever we were doing legend seekers, um, from an Irish perspective, we hear a lot of these and you took it with a pinch of salt and we thought, ah, yeah, it'd be fine. Oh my God. Yeah. That was, that was more than I expected and way more. And in fact, I said, if I ever encounter that again, I'm done, I'm, I'm retiring. That's it. It's, it's over. Um, but, uh, Yes, the, the, the gate of the serpents was there. It seemed to be some type of connection with the Celts. Whatever the Celts had done, it created a situation in which this thing was open all the time. It wasn't it wasn't like the, the other the others on top of the mountains and things that, that are orientated to the sun um, and the moon and, and various things. This was all the time. So there are no animals on the island, um, nothing like that, um, and the the plans of the island from the sixteen hundreds are as as is today. Um, the 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 vegetation has not changed, and uh, I think it was the north of the island. You had the the island or the the place of the angels, and the, the south of the island you had the the pits and the place of the demons. Well, the only place we could camp was in the pits. And so, of course, that's where we stayed and 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 everything unfolded there. but I have to say the experience that I had there, looking back now, the experience that I had uh, was was so severe that it lifted me off the railway tracks that I was on and set me on a new track. It completely changed my paradigm. And, uh, and that's whenever I started to make the connections then with the old gods, the, the, the mounds and everything else about what was going on. But I have been back to the Island of the Dead because I only spent one night on it. and That was enough for me. Um, I have been back in daylight and, and we took a piece of equipment with us, which it's a time differential um, piece in which you have two extensions. On one end, you've got a computer, and the other one is, is a, a, a sensor in which it's sending the signals back and forward. Um, and with the, the distance, the 100, the 100 feet distance in line, um, it's accounting for the, the time to make sure that, it's, that both are, are working together. This was the first place that I had ever, ever seen such a discrepancy in time. The probe was in the mound. Um, and uh, and it was doing its thing, but we were registering on the computer a discrepancy in time. That was the first time I had ever seen that for myself. And um, so it's it's a very very powerful place um, and not to be underestimated. Will I stay again? Absolutely not. Um, I'm, uh, I'm done with that now. I move on to other other things.
2: It's quite interesting, man.
0: Wow. Very interesting.
2: Yeah. Wow. Um, another thing that I wanted to ask uh, we touched the subject briefly uh, uh, at the beginning of the show um and maybe I missed it, but what part does sleep paralysis play in all that? <laughs>
3: Well, sleep paralysis is slightly different. There's a difference in the sleep paralysis um, because that's scientifically recognized and there are particular patterns for that. Um, So yes, I'll identify the sleep paralysis, but what I'm looking at is this other aspect because the sleep paralysis tends to move into areas where um, there tends to be a lot of... um, sexual activation that is happening there within the sleep paralysis, which is which in itself is a kind of reflection on the on the, the mindset of the person that's experiencing it. The phenomena that I'm looking at is the reverse of that. It's the fear generator that I'm looking at and um, which sets that apart from sleep paralysis. Within psychiatry, they'll see that as as being a, a reflection on 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 the, the deep deep situations going on within within the uh, the experiencer. But I'm not I'm not interested per se in in the the scientific analysis of sleep paralysis. I'm looking at this other fear based one um, because that is the one which attacks when the iron is low, and um, the sleep paralysis does not. Um, it's something completely different. Mm-hmm.
2: You've also talked about exploring its weaknesses, the weaknesses of these uh, phenomena. Mm. What are the weaknesses? What do we know?
3: Iron, of course, is, is, is one. Ultraviolet light is another one, strangely enough. Uh, and early on, um, in, we, we discovered that actually um, during the manifestation, infrared light can also have a, can play a, a problem with manifestation, Um, it burns the manifestation like acid does our skin. Uh, So from our perspective coming from from a ghost hunting show where everyone's running around with infrared technology, and I go, "Uh, guys, we need to turn this down. Uh, We need need to work with it. Let's try not not alienating it, let's let's try and work with it and and, and get it to come through and give something back to the people who are watching the show. but we also discovered as well that along with the iron the ultraviolet creates a safe room and it's not a permanent solution and it just creates a safe room in which part of this manifestation cannot materialize within ultraviolet light Mm -hmm. um and uh, so though that's that's another aspect of of the weakness
0: can it so a poltergeist type effects just not manifest or does it have no effect whatsoever
3: it has no effect whatsoever it just cannot do anything within that particular light spectrum
0: it negates its ability to be there
3: yeah it, it, it just simply cannot it cannot materialize oh
0: interesting no spirits a loud sign i like
3: it <laughs> pretty much um and uh, but what we tend to see as as well is that um you know looking at this this positive negative thing um you often hear tell of uh within the séance rooms when you use pure red light and a red LED, you tend to get a lot more activity. Um, The phenomena reaches us easier through the red spectrum, materializing into where we are. Uh, Excuse me. Um, And to come from the other side, from the higher spectrum, it takes longer to reach us. Uh, So a lot of the times, this is why we say press, what you're experiencing test it and um, that it comes from the lower section and um, it's easier to reach we are easier to reach through the reds uh, but uh yeah uh, opposing lights affect each materialization ultraviolet light affects the, the materialization of the lower and the lower affects the materialization of the higher the 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 infrared affects the the higher materialization. So we have to try and find a balance there in the middle. I did devise a camera. um, It was called a full-spectrum camera um, that, that mimicked the child's eye. Because as a child develops, uh, I, I believe um, up until the age of two, predominantly they're in the theta band rhythm, which is where we tend to be for a lot of meditation and things like that. Uh, but they tend to stay within that, predominantly within that. Then they, they move out of that. But between the ages of seven and 13, there's a filter that thickens over the eye, narrowing our, our um, electromagnetic sensitivity. So the camera was devised to open that back up again, but not not to produce light that would absolutely destroy any materialization. So pretty much it was a fly on the wall. And we we used to get a lot of stuff through that technology. Um, Just sitting there, it was minding its own business, doing absolutely nothing, just recording. And uh, no light source had pulled in its own light, um, low light um, um, sensors, and everything else on it. But they were prone to be more sensitive to the outer ranges.
2: Does your research include frequencies and the idea of frequencies?
3: Uh, sometimes, yes. Uh-huh. Certainly for the, the likes of the of the passage chambers and things like that. You know, there's a lot of frequencies there that were being utilized. Uh, Princeton university they came to to ireland back in the i think it was about 1993, um and they tested the the uh, resonance of of a lot of our stone mounds like the ones behind me um and uh, it seemed that uh, that they were predominantly um they resonated at 110 hertz, which was a very, very low, very bassy um, um, resonance that bounced off the walls. But that particular vibration uh, plays a part when you're producing this. This uh, like a Mongolian chant, you know, comes through the chest. So you've got a person at each side that's applying that. You've got the the uh, the 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 article. She's at the head. Of the cruciform, which is exactly what it is, the ground plan within, say, these chambers is a Celtic cross, and they say Christians give it to us. <laughs> um, but this ground plan, you've got on on each side, east west, you've you've got these these uh, there were the, the collars, if you like, the vibration producers. You've got the the oracle, and then you've got the person who was coming in to meet the serpents in the center, okay. as it all manifested. Timing is everything. As is everything in Ireland. Timing is everything when you're dealing with manifestation.
2: It's very interesting with the frequencies. I read uh, the article about the uh, about the burial mounds and the research in the area about the frequencies. Mm,
3: mm, mm. And also they discovered as well that that particular um, research team that came across um, they also discovered that frequencies of the stones, the standing stones, um, rose sharply at sunrise. And I reached for about two hours and then then dropped off quickly. Um, so there was something going on within the stones that they couldn't understand. We still can't understand what's going on with those particular stones. Um, I work primarily with these mounds rather than the stones themselves, the standing stones.
2: Interesting. Man, we, that, um, Brandon and I, we, we've talked about frequencies um, a lot <laughs> when, when we met and um, a little bit off-topic maybe, but referring to your post that I quoted a few minutes ago. um, And I know that you're not specifically addressing the issue of camouflage in your article, but still, first up, I think it's all about frequency and at least this could be a good approach to the question of how they disguise themselves from us when we speak about UFOs, for example. Um, The ability to make objects invisible using frequencies for to me is a fascinating concept and it, and it uh, and its basis is the use of metamaterials in science mm. quite interesting um, these artificially produced materials can manipulate light mm-hmm. light waves so that they are directed around an object instead of reflecting or refracting them so this creates the impression that the object is invisible to the human eye so it's a scientific approach but I like the idea a lot, and it's all about. Well, all,
3: also, bear in mind what Brandon Brandon had touched on earlier. It actually may not be there at all.
0: Yeah, uh, that's I'll the put... trippiest thing to think that <laughs> all of it. By the way, that like your life maybe started in 1997, and everything before that's just a memory that you had, or even this morning. All the memories are implanted. China doesn't exist unless you're there. Just the idea of a place called China does. It's fascinating when you start really, really, really breaking down how perception managed you are to every degree in this reality, whatever this thing is.
3: Oh, I think I would need a whiskey for that. <laughs> I
0: mean, fat, fat <laughs> donkey leg the smoke for that one. Absolutely brother. I hear you.
2: Definitely. Okay. But, um, Brandon, 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 Barry, we let you travel on now. I see your, your dog wants to go outside. He- yes.
3: Yes. Uh uh-huh. She was here for a while now.
2: Yeah. And we, we, uh, keep a few a few questions for the next time and we are um, patiently waiting for your second book
3: excellent thank yeah. you. you thank you very much
2: and have you back on when it's when it's out and, and when we've read it so
3: thank you very much folks and and i really do appre- I, I appreciate it and i love the conversation very very um, um out there and, and and i loved it because it pushes me uh, and uh, and i love that
0: that's that's your work, man. You you inspire us with just with your presence. The things that interest you are interesting. You're interesting. You know, it'd be it'd be horrible if you were boring. But thank God you're not. <laughs> I, I wouldn't think Daniel would do that. But I, it it's just awesome, man, to come together. And really, you inspire such great questions. And so, thank you, honestly. Thank
3: you, thank you. You're very kind. And Daniel, shoot me up anytime whenever you need it.
2: I will. Thank you so much. Right. So, guys, guys, um, I will put links uh, to Barry in the description to various books do you want your uh, Facebook do you want people to, to find you on Facebook and, and sure they can
3: find me on Facebook They're, that's that's entirely up to themselves
2: okay I will put all the necessary links in the description guys I will also put links of Brandon Thomas's podcast Expanding Reality in the description well. <laughs> okay <laughs> thank you guys